To Elevate, Elevate Life, Life Church. Church. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy another elevated message. Here's Senior Pastor Sergio Lamone. Are you guys ready for the word today? Well, I am ready to preach it to you because the end of last year, the Lord gave me a word for this year uh, about 2024. And uh, the word that I got is that it's the year of the upgrade, the year of the upgrade. And what the way a prophetic word works is it doesn't just happen. It takes you to join your faith with the word to make it manifest in the earth. Can I get an amen on that? And so just because I say that's the word doesn't mean it's going to be the word for you, okay? Uh, I'm going to take this word and I'm going to see my life upgraded. Now, what does it mean to have a life that's upgraded? You go to new levels. You go to to new levels in your marriage. You go to new uh, levels as a a child, uh, as as an adult, as as a teenager. You know, all those things are a part of it. I want to read to you the definition of upgrade that I saw in the dictionary. Uh, It says this, elevate, to elevate, to elevate something to a higher standard and in particular to improve by adding or replacing components at a cost. Somebody say at a cost. So that's what upgrade means. So when I began to hear in my spirit that it's the year of the upgrade, we've got to understand that it's going to come by God adding some things to me taking some things away from me and understanding that it's not going to come for free. Can I get an amen on that? See, and that's where we lose people a lot of times. See, Jesus at one point had a church following of about 4,000 people until he got up one day and preached a message that said, if you're going to follow me, it's going to require something of you. And that day he lost everybody except for his 12 staff members. Because, see, we got to understand there's a mentality that must come down in our lives if we're ever going to upgrade our lives to the next level. And today what I want to talk to you about is pummeling the spirit of poverty. Write that in your notes. If you're not taking notes, get your phone out. Take some notes. Because if you take some notes and you learn something, your life may change. Come on, look, elbow your neighbor and say, write something down. Pummeling the spirit of poverty. Man, if I would have had my black air forces, I would have wore them today, uh, but I didn't. So I'm just I got my, my other black shoes on. Some of you know what that means. I'm ready to I'm ready to get in a fight today. I'm ready to fight against this spirit of poverty today. Now, when I say poverty, many of you automatically go to finances. And that's not what we're talking about here necessarily. There's more to it than that. I want to prove it to you. Let's go into the word of God. Third John chapter one, verse two. Man, if you get this today, it's going to set you free because some of you don't even know you're bound up by a spirit of poverty. 
You don't even know it because you make, you know, good money nowadays. And as I said, poverty has nothing to do simply with finances. It's about a way of thinking. Look what it says in 3 John 1, 2. It says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. How many of you know it's the will of God that you prosper? You don't need to pray, God, do you need me? Do you want me to prosper? No, it's in the book. It's in the book that we are to prosper. But here's the key. As your soul prospers, as your mind, your will and emotions prosper, so shall you prosper. Okay, are you catching this today? And I know, you know, that word prosper, people start going off into the prosperity gospel stuff. Now, listen, just because there was error in the prosperity gospel message does not change what the Bible says that you and I are supposed to prosper. Can I get an amen? See, the prosperity gospel got it all twisted because they wanted to prosper outside of doing the will of God. They think it's enough to just name it and claim it and not even know what God's word says about issues. That's the error of the prosperity gospel. In the prosperity gospel, the the prosperity gospel centers you at the center of your life. And you become your God using Jesus as a genie to get things into your life. That's not what this is about. Jesus said, I pray uh, not my will, but yours be done, Father. That is the prayer that we're supposed to be praying. I may want this house, but not my will. Yours be done, Lord. Can I get an amen on that? And so and so that's the air of that of that teaching. But don't get it twisted. God wants us to prosper. There's not a Bible character that walked with God that you can read about that when they started with God did not come out better in the end. From Abraham all the way through, these guys prospered in so many areas. And this is what the Lord wants to see happen in our lives. And so he says, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. How many know you have to have a prosperous soul, your mind, your will and your emotions? That's something that is taking place in America right now. America is so soulishly sick. It's incredible. And if you follow the culture of America, you'll be soulishly sick as well. America struggles with anxiety. It struggles with 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 all these mental lack of peace things. And some of us in here struggle with those things. I get it. But here's the will of God that we come out of it. And I'm telling you, it's the year of the upgrade. You may have been struggling with anxiety and panic attacks all your life. But if you'll grasp this word, this could be the year you come out of that. Let me read you another scripture, Psalms 25, 12, in the New Living Translation. It says this, who are those who fear the Lord? He will show them the path that they should choose. They will live in prosperity, there it is, and their children will inherit the land. The Lord is a friend of those who fear him, and he teaches them his covenant. That's the part I want you to catch right now. That the Lord is trying to teach you his covenant. He's trying to teach it to you. Some of you have been hearing it, but you're not learning it. How many know learning is different than, than being taught? 
Teaching is what happens out here. Learning is what happens in here and in here. This is why I tell you, man, write some stuff down. Because it's been proven that you'll retain more if you write things down than you do if you just listen. Up to three times more you will retain if you just jot something down in your phone. You're more likely to retain that than to just sit in a message like this. Come on, tell your neighbor he's talking to you. And I'm not being mean, but you got to understand something here. God is trying to teach you his covenant. Your mission is to learn his covenant. He can't learn it for you. I think in church we think this sometimes. Oh, well, God's teaching me it. Yeah, he's teaching it, but you're not learning it. And so we go on and on at the same level for, for, for life. Just, you know, going to church, but nothing changing. Doing the things, but nothing's getting on the inside of us. And that's why Romans chapter 12, verse 2 and 3 says this. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person. Here it is, by changing the way you think. Ah, man, there it is right there. See, some of you have been coming to church a very long time, but you still got stinking thinking. You've been to church a long, long time, but you still think like a thug. You still think like somebody from around the way. You still think like, you know, you're, you, where you come from. I'm going to tell you, that should not be so. The Bible says we're to renew our minds. The Bible says here the key is the transformation will take place in your life when God can teach you a new way to think. It's right there in the word. Let's keep reading. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is, here it is, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Did y'all know that you don't need to run from God? Because his will for you is good. It's pleasing and it's perfect. God has a better life for you than you could ever build on your own. The thing you want right now is nothing. You're hanging on to this broke down relationship because you're so rejected. You think, oh, this is good. This is enough. God's like, no, I got a better dude for you. I got a better woman for you. But see, you can't see it. Uh, married couples, that wasn't for you. All right, that wasn't for you. You locked in. You locked in. I got to say that. I saw married people going, really? No, 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 y'all locked in, y'all locked in. God's another message right there. But, 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 but see what I'm saying is, the life that you think you want, God's got a better one. But it takes trust. Look what he says here. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Here it is. Don't think you are better than you really are. letting that marinate right there because I think that applies to a lot of us that have been Christians a while you believe in your own hype you're your own hype man your own flavor flave come on that's what you are you just believe you're all that the Bible says here don't don't deceive yourself don't think you're better than you really are be honest in your evaluation of yourselves measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us so that brings me to what this word is I want to talk to you about. I want to pummel this spirit of poverty because I think some of us in the room think we've overcome it and you haven't because poverty is not about money. It's not about the amount of money you make. Many of you are above, majority of us in here are probably over the poverty line. 
If you're not, we can get you out of that. But here's the problem. Just because you live over the poverty line doesn't mean you're free from poverty. Poverty is trauma. Being raised in poverty produces trauma in an individual. And many of us, including myself, coming from a family of immigrants. You know, my father was born in Mexico. I'm the first in, on his side of the family to be born in the United States. And that poverty many times is passed down to generations. Many of you here were raised by Im uh, immigrant parents that came from outside of the country. Or many of you here uh, have uh, raised by parents that didn't have a lot and were on welfare and received food stamps and all those things. But now here you are, you got a good state job. Here you are, you're making a good amount of money. But the problem is you're still under a spirit of poverty. And even though you have money, you're still poor. And years ago, I read a book by Dr. Ruby Payne, and this book is called Understanding uh, Frameworks uh, for Overcoming Poverty. And it's a book. It's not a Christian book. It's a secular book that many years, it came out in the 90s. They began to teach it to teachers in the public school systems because they began to see the alarming rates that kids of color were having uh, with behavioral issues in the schools. And, and they were finally getting the understanding, wait a minute, it's not that these kids are dumb, it's that, that there's something other than what we're working against here. We're working against something that, that is working, that, that, that's not in them. And what they began to understand was, it was poverty thinking that was limiting children in schools because the system was set up to deal with kids that were in middle and upper class thinking. And so Dr. Ruby Payne wrote a book and she began to teach teachers, school administrators, hey, if you're going to work in inner cities, if you're going to work in areas of the country that have poverty, then you better understand that kid thinks different than kids that are raised in middle class and upper class areas. And so as I read that book, I began to see because I've, I've mentored students in the, uh, the, the rough areas of Modesto, in areas the west side of Ocala, Florida. We mentored students here at James Rudder when we first planted the church. I, I've dealt with every kind of kid on the planet. I've lived in good neighborhoods. I was raised middle class. Uh, I was around all these things. And as I read this book, I began to see something. And so recently, as I've been really just praying during this fast, and the Lord really revealed that we've got to break poverty off of people because poverty will keep you uh, from the life that God has for you. Now, in this book, and I hope they have it in the back to put on the screen, she lists that poverty is consistent upon eight resources that greatly influence achievement, okay? Eight resources that greatly influence achievement. And she lists them. Number one, financial. Number two, emotional. Number three, mental. Number four, physical. Number five, I'm sorry, number four, spiritual. Number five, physical. Number six, here's another one, support systems. Number seven, role models. Number eight, knowledge of hidden rules. And so when understanding the framework of poverty, if you only deal with the financial, you're missing seven other areas that will keep you poor. And unfortunately, this is what we do in America. We only think that, oh, if we just give people more money, we'll bring people out of poverty. Never works. Never works. Because poverty, the problem with poverty is not only a financial problem. It's an emotional problem. 
It's a mental problem. It's a spiritual problem. It's a physical problem. It's a support system problem. It's a role model problem. And it's a knowledge of hidden rules problem. And so what happens is, as we build a church, as we're trying to upgrade this thing, we've got to confront this poverty spirit in all of us. Tell your neighbor he's talking to me. Now, you know, if that offended you, well, no, he ain't talking to me. I'm free from that. Remember what Paul said. Do not think that you are better than you really are. Now tell him again. Okay, he's talking about me. Okay, tell him, tell him. Just confess it right now. Let's just get it out in the open. Let's all, let's all put ourselves in there, okay? Because here's, here's the problem. As I said before, poverty is about much more than money. Here's what it's about. It's about the lens that you view life through. And if you come from a poverty background, or maybe your parents do, chances are you still look through the lens of life through that, even though you have money. What is my evidence for this? Listen to this. 78% of NFL players go broke two years after they retire. 78%. Guys, do you know what they're making? Do you know what these contracts are for? $20 $20 million a year, $10 million a year. I don't even know what the league minimum is anymore. But the fact is this, money doesn't solve the problem. So 78, 7 out of 10, almost 8 out of 10 NFL players go broke two years after they're done. After seeing millions of dollars come into their hands. NBA players, 60%. It's a little less, but it's still up there. They go broke five years after they play in the NBA. Guys, and those contracts are even more. I mean, you're talking 50, 60, 70 million dollars. Think about that number, guys. And it doesn't solve the problem of poverty. And some of you think if I just get a better job, if I just get on with the state, if I just get angle, solve much. You'll solve some. I ain't going to lie. Come on, somebody. Let's keep it 100. <laughs> Having some change is going to solve some things, but it won't break poverty off of your life. There's another statistic that 70% of all lottery winners go bankrupt. 70%. Come on, scratchers. I know you're in here. <laughs> you keep hoping. I'm going to get me a scratcher on the way home. I'm going to get that lotto. Seven out of ten of them are broke. You want to know why? They're thinking. They're thinking. You know what destroys marriage? Thinking. You know what messes up kids? When parents have stinking thinking. It all comes down to how we think. And I'm trying to tell you this. There's a spirit of poverty trying to influence the way that you think and, the, and cause you to look through the lens of life in a wrong way that's going to mess you up. Now, studies show this, right? Studies show that there are two ways out of poverty. You should write these things down. There are two ways out of poverty. Number one, education. Education. Education will get you out of poverty. But I don't like school. Well, it ain't always a scholastic education. What I'm doing to you today is I'm trying to educate you. I'm trying to educate you. And listen, who says you got to go to school to get educated? 
Read a dang book. Come on, there's business for dummies. Amen? You could, you could learn a trade. You could do all these things. But educate yourself. That's the fastest way out of poverty. Second way. You ready for this one? Relationships. 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 That's a big one in the kingdom. You see, when you understand these secular studies, you understand how awesome the word of God is. Because the word of God addresses them all. The word of God addresses them all. See, if I could just teach you God's word, that's education, and introduce you to Jesus, we could get you out of poverty. Amen? We get you out of poverty. Write this down. People raised in poverty, and this is important, guys. People raised in poverty have different views than the middle and the upper class. People raised in poverty have different views than the middle and the upper class. It's all in our thinking. It's all in our thinking. And guys, here's the thing. For most of us, it wasn't our fault. This is just where we grew up, how we grew up. We see life a little different. Let me give you some examples of what I'm talking about here. We see life different than people in middle class and people in upper class. Okay? We'll, we'll deal with the same thing, but have a different view of it. Okay? Let, let me demonstrate this to you. Let's take something, a topic that we all like, like food. Come on, I'm, I'm coming up on my last day of the fast, so the finish line is right there. Ah, Jesus, come on, hold on. Okay, let's look at food, right? Let's look at food. People in poverty have a different view of food than the upper class and the middle class do. Let me demonstrate it to you. People in poverty think good food depends on the quantity of it. That's why we like buffets. All you can eat, 10, 99. Oh, God, we're there. We're there. We are so there. But what we don't think about, is the food even good? Listen, we, we pick a restaurant, what are we thinking? Oh, let's go get some food, where are we going? Oh, let's go there because their burritos are so big. You seen the burritos, they're huge. That's our first thought. If I'm talking about you, that's a poverty mindset. We're not thinking if the food's good, we're thinking how much do I get? You know how the middle class thinks? Quality over quantity. Quality over quantity. Sure, you could go to Golden Corral and they have an all-you-can-eat steak buffet. Did you know that? They have an all-you-can-eat steak buffet. Some of you are like, really? That's the only thing you got at it today. Come on. I learned that Golden Corral has an all-you-can-eat steak buffet. But let me tell you, it's a tube steak, all right. But let me tell you about that steak. That steak's low-grade. That steak's the steak that the other restaurants didn't want to buy. So they sell it to Golden Corral. And they throw a bunch of salt on it, season it, serve it up to people in this mentality. I'm hurting somebody's feelings today. I know it. I know. Pastor, I love buffets. I love buffets. Listen, man, my, parent, my grandparents, when they used to pastor, after church, if we wanted to know where they were going, they were always at J.J. North's. Y'all remember J.J. North's right up the road there? 
I was at J.J. North's because, man, they could go there and they could get all you can eat. I think back then it was like $6, $7.99. They could get all you can eat. See, that's how the mindset looks at food. Now, listen, I want to make this clear. I'm not saying that's necessarily wrong. I'm just trying to expose to you the different ways of thinking. The middle class says, I don't care if there's a lot of it. I want to go somewhere that's good quality. And so they'd rather go to Texas Roadhouse, okay, and get a nice steak rather than the all-you-can-eat steak over at Golden Corral. But see, the upper class thinks even different than that. They're not concerned with the quantity. They're not even all that concerned with quality as much. They are, but they introduce something else. They introduce the uh, presentation of the food. That's what they're thinking about. That's why some of you are disappointed when you go to a nice restaurant and you order a steak and you're like, dang, that's it? And it comes out nice and cut with a little flour next to it. The mashed potatoes are in a swirl. And there's a carrot there that's carved in a funny shape. And uh, people in the upper class are like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. And somebody in a poverty thinking spirit goes, I could have went to Golden Corral, (laughs) ate seven of those and only paid $7.99. Are you seeing the difference? Seeing the difference. And so with a poverty mentality, when you travel, you're going to be be disappointed a lot. Especially when you step into other circles. Can I get an amen on this? I'm just trying to help you. I'm just trying to show us that, okay, maybe maybe it is me, Pastor. Because some of us deal with this. You're You're all quantity. You could care less about the quality of it. And I challenge those of you guys that like to go to buffets. It ain't good food. It's the food that other restaurants didn't want to buy. Did y'all know there's grades to food? Eddie Cobb taught me this years ago about steak. Eddie Cobb is a butcher. And I was talking to him one day and I go, man, you know what? Bel Air steaks are a lot more expensive than food for less. He goes, you want to know why? I said, well, put me up on game. He said, because that's low grade. He says, at Bel Air, we only sell prime. I said, okay. But see, somebody... That's in poverty, doesn't care about that. At least we get a steak. Come on, somebody, amen? Now, again, I'm, I'm not trying to put it down. I'm just trying to show you the different ways of thinking. And if we're going to come up, we got to challenge our way of thinking. Are you getting this today? See, that's only in the area of food, right? There's other ways that poverty thinking affects us, like our physical bodies. Our physical bodies. Parents, you need to listen to this. See, a parent that has a poverty mindset thinking allows their, 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 their kids and they put in their kids and they believe this. Your way out of poverty depends fully on your physical body. That's what they teach them. So a kid goes to school and he hears college. He'll think, only way I'm going to get to college if I'm an athlete. No, there's other ways to get there. You can study. You can work hard. You can get a tutor. But kids in impoverished communities think, oh, I got to get a basketball. I got to get a football. I got to get a baseball. And guess who's telling them that? Mom and dad. Mom and dad. Because this type of thinking, this type of poverty thinking, values the physical body over everything else. Instead of emphasizing, you know what they're emphasizing in middle and upper class? The mind. 
That's what they're, that's what they're emphasizing up in Rockland. Come on. <laughs> they're emphasizing, hey, son, you better study. No video games if you don't get good grades. That's what they're emphasizing. Oh, but it gets worse because then we have daughters. And you know what impoverished thinking teaches our daughters? That if you're going to get a man, you better show your booty. Or you can laugh if you want to. Oh, if you're going to get a man, you better put them, you better put that out there. See how I caught myself right there, right? (laughs) You, You better put that out there. And so these little girls go to school with tight clothes on. And it ain't, a, it ain't a religious thing. Don't even throw that at me. It ain't a religious thing. Oh, oh he, pastor, it's the 2024s. You know, kids got to wear what they want. No, see, mom and dad, it's your job that you teach them they're more than a body. And so what begins to happen, our little, our little mijitas go off to school and they just, in, they, they're influenced by the culture. And they think if I'm going to get a man, I got to be sexy. Now, listen, you do need to have a good appearance, but I'll tell you how to keep a man. You better have some sense. You could be fine as a diamond, but dumb as a rock. And see, what influence is this? Poverty thinking. Your body's everything. Your body's everything. And so mom, I've seen it. Moms will have little daughters and they let them go out in tube tops. 16 years old, 15 years old. Nobody's telling her, hey, mijita, you ain't leaving the house like that. No, no, you ain't wearing that. You ain't going to school in booty shorts. What's up with that? Go home, go get inside there and put something on that covers you up. No, they're not doing that. Because they're influenced by all their favorite hip hop artists. You know, all, all these uh, little Nicki Minaj and, you know, these uh, they know the lyrics are out there. And what is the emphasis in that music? Body, body, body. And you put that in. Yeah, you got it. And you put that in to these little kids. You know what that is? That's poverty thinking. It's poverty thinking. It ain't got nothing to do with your paycheck. It's got everything to do with how you think. So we produce kids that are out there, young girls flaunting their sexuality. They think that's how they're going to get a man. No, that's not how you get a man. That's how you get a dog. Let me just tell you this. you got to teach your young ladies. There's more to you than your body. Develop a personality. Develop one. You know, how many know you need to develop a personality? Get some social skills. No. Quit chewing your gum like that and get some social skills. Am I helping anybody here? I'm not just trying to make you laugh. I'm trying to demonstrate to you how we could have good jobs but still have bad, bad areas in our mind and our thinking that we're passing on to our kids. And I'm using just everyday things. Everyday things. So you know, the poverty thinking thinks if I'm going to make it, it's, my, it's all about my body. So I got to be pretty if I'm going to get a man. I got to be sexy. You know, it's not even about pretty. It's about I got to be sexy. Yeah, you're going to see where that's going to get you. You're going to see what kind of man you're going to get that's only drawn to your sexuality. And then you're going to see what he'll do when you have babies and he leaves you. Uh, I hate to be prophesying to somebody, but this is a warning shot in the air that if you don't change your thinking, you're going to pick somebody that you shouldn't even be with because the lens you see through is okay. And we got to change that. See, this is why when you 
yeah, you, things like the prom, okay? When you, when you get your kids dressed up to go to prom, you got a daughter, and she's wearing the tightest. She looked like a streetwalker. Look like a streetwalker. 16 years old, going to prom, all tighted out. All that. But you know what? You go to the middle class, you go to the upper class, they ain't, let, they ain't sending their kids to prom like that. It's different. It's different. I had this in me when I started preaching. I had this kind of thinking in me. How many know there's a difference between a suit to preach in and a suit to go to the club in? But my impoverished mind had not been taught the middle and upper class rules. So I went to preach my first sermon looking like MC Hammer. I did too, bro. I wish I had a picture. I wish I had a picture. And I would go to pastor's gatherings not knowing how to dress like them. So I come like, you know, I just got off the stage. Oaktown, you know, Oaktown, Oaktown. Because I didn't know. I didn't, there's a different mentality that comes into these rooms. We think different about food, the physical body, dressing. Here's another big thing we think different about, problem-solving skills. Each class thinks different about these problem-solving skills. In poverty, there's only one way to solve a problem. In poverty, there's only one way to solve a problem, this right here. So that's why you get involved in an issue with the wrong person, you're going to get punched in the mouth. Because in poverty, what they've found is we don't have good problem-solving skills. This is why kids in our elementary schools and in our junior high schools get in fights so much. Because they've never seen problem-solving skills modeled by their parents. They only remember that time when dad was at a restaurant and somebody stepped on his sneaker and he jumped up and said, boy, and socked somebody. So now junior goes to school, not this junior, but you know what I'm saying. Junior goes to school and he knocks somebody out and everybody's shocked. No, that's what he learned. Instead of having a dad that went over and go, oh man, I know you didn't mean it. No, don't even worry about it. See, impoverished people have problems with uh, solving things like this. They use violence. How does the middle class do it? You want to know how the middle class solves altercations and things? With words. We talk about it. We work it out. Hey, man, you stepped on my sneaker. Oh, man, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. All right, cool, man. No worries. Words solve it. You know how the upper class solves problems? I'm going to get my lawyer. It's true, though. It's true. They ain't got time to argue with you. They're just waiting for you to sock them, touch their car, do something that they can sue you for. That's all they're waiting on. So you get in an altercation with somebody in the upper class. Hey, man, just, you know, you, I'm just telling you, they, they won't even argue with you. They just sit there and wait for you to cross a line. And then they got their lawyer on speed dial. Doop, 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 doop. Hey, yeah, got another one. Studies prove this. The other way that upper class deals with problem solving is through society, societal or social shunning. That means, oh, I ain't messing with you no more. And you'll get shunned. So they go to the country club. You have an altercation with somebody at the country club. They don't fight. If it's not something I can sue you over, we're just going to cut you off. I'm going to tell all my friends to cut you off. Guys, I'm not saying one is right and one is wrong. What I'm trying to show you is there's different ways of thinking about stuff. 
And we, a lot of us in this room, have this issue with how we deal with and think about stuff. Some of you are trying to date, right? And this is why God ain't brought him yet. Come on. You need to get this. Because he needs me to get you out of poverty thinking. Because if you pick a husband with the impoverished thinking that you have, you'll pick the wrong one. I'm just going to let that go over right there. In this section. Of, no, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Think about that for a minute. Think about that for a minute. That's the truth. God had to deliver me before I could pick the wife that I needed. Amen? Different ways of thinking, different ways of going through life. Now, here's my point, right? You can make a lot of money, but still have these ways of looking at life. And here's my thing. A lot of us do this. A lot of us have this, this problem. And the last thing that I could say about this is how do, people, how do we deal with a poverty spirit? Because all three groups, impoverished people, middle class, upper class, you know, we all view money differently. We all view money differently. People in impoverished, raised in poverty, when they get money, they think right away, spend. Ooh, I just got a raise. We going out tonight. Mm. Ooh, I just came into some money. I got a check back from my insurance. What am I going to buy? That's impoverished thinking. You know how the middle class thinks? When they think about money, they think about management. Ooh, I got some money. Hmm, how can I spread this out and make this last for me? How can I make this work here so that I got money in six months? See, that's management. That's good. But there's another level. How does the upper class think about money? They think investment. They're not thinking, ooh, what could I go buy? Ooh, how can I manage that? They're saying, how can I invest this to make more? Guys, it's a whole different ballgame. If we're going to upgrade, we got to get serious. We got to get serious. And you may not be serious, but I'm serious. Listen, I want this church, I want you, your family, our finances, our businesses. There is no reason a year from now we cannot all be at another level. I, I, I believe that with my whole heart. I got scripture on it. I gave you all them scriptures. I hope you wrote them down because in your prayer time, you should bust them out and say, God, this is what you said. Then you never have to beg God. Because he already said it. I ain't got to beg you. You said it. You made it plain. You want me to prosper. You made it plain that if I can get my soul in line, my life will follow after. If I can get my thinking in mind, I'll be transformed. How many want to be transformed? See, everybody's hands should have got up. But see, that's why Paul said, don't think higher of yourself than you are. Because you think you're good. But God would come and say, I beg to differ. You may see it as good, but I want to make you great. I want to make you great. But as I said before, guys, it's going to cost you. Because here's the biggest problem with, with impoverished people and money. They think if I can't wear it, eat it, sleep with it, drive it, it has no value. That's the biggest problem. But you know what people in middle and upper class are doing? They're paying money to get educated. 
I was talking to a financial advisor the other day and he said, you know what? I just got back from a seminar. You know how much that cost me? He said, I had to pay $1,000 for the information that I'm sharing with you right now. I said, well, thank God you paid it and I'm getting it for free. But guess what that is? An impoverished mindset. I thought to myself, I wonder how many in my circle would pay $1,000 to get some information. I'm trying to just get couples to pay $50 to come to the XOXO marriage class. And sometimes that's a struggle. Dang, $50, that's a dinner, that's a date night. And you won't invest that in information? Impoverished thinking. Impoverished thinking. That's the difference, y'all. Remember, impoverished thinking locks you into a material universe rather than a quantum universe. What is a quantum universe? Well, a quantum universe is things are tied together with information. If I can get the information, I can get the things. But I'm going to have to pay a cost to get that information. And we want everything free. We just want free. Can I just tell you what you usually get for free? You don't get, you don't get what, what, what you need. You get junk. They did, they did a test on this in San Francisco because people were complaining about how nasty the public bathrooms were. And so what they did was they said, okay, well, we'll give you bathrooms that you have to pay to use. And because you're paying to use them, it's going to be spotless. People still complain. Well, I got to pay to use the bathroom because you paying is going to ensure it's sanitized. Come on, you ain't going to get a disease by sitting on it. Come on, are you, are you tracking with me? But an impoverished mind never sees the end result because it's locked into a material universe. We got to get you, we got to get us all on another level, y'all. And you got to start. And this is the problem, right? This is the problem with America right now. We don't see the value in church. We don't see the value in it. That's why some of y'all, we see you once or twice a month. You don't come for the value. You come because, well, I'm a Christian. I better go. But if you can understand every every Sunday I'm here, I'm trying to I'm trying to give you the living word of God so we could change your thinking so God can upgrade your life. You have a different value on the house of God. This is why I don't understand people that don't give. Some of y'all that don't give, it, I, it, I just. But you know what's behind it? Poverty. You value your money more than you do the word of God. And you'll make excuses like, oh, pastor, yeah, it ain't about the money. It's all Jesus. Tell that to Jesus. Because there's only one thing he taught more about than money. And that's the kingdom of God. The top three messages of his of his whole entire ministry was the kingdom of God, heaven and hell and money. Why do you think Jesus taught about money so much? Was it because he needed it? No. He could feed 5,000 with just some loaves and some fish. He had a tax problem. He goes fishing and pulls a gold coin out of a fish. Why would Jesus teach us so much about money and giving? Think about that. Does he love you? He teaches it because we need it more than he does. Man, the, the gospel is so amazing when you understand these secular studies. 
the gospel. It's like, Jesus, you're ahead of the game. Do you want to know why we teach giving? Do you want to know why we teach serving? It's because an impoverished mindset says this. I can't help nobody. I can't do anything for nobody. So I'm just going to come and take. It's like welfare thinking. I'm just going to come and take. Jesus says, no, no, no. If you're going to serve me, serve me. If you're going to follow me, give and help the cause. If you're going to be a part of my body, contribute. What is that? That's empowering. I'm no longer a victim. I'm helping to keep the lights on. Come on. I'm helping to have a building on Florin Road. I'm helping our outreaches. I'm helping the vision of Elevate Life Church go further. I may have been a scrub before, but I'm not anymore. Woo, in 2024. It's for all you rhyme people out there that like that. You see what I'm saying? It's, it's, a, it's a different game. And this is what the gospel's trying to get to us. But the number one thing holding you back, poverty thinking. And all of us got a little bit of it. So we're going to pummel it. Amen? Don't miss next week because we're going to go after these eight areas and we're going to check them in our lives. We're going to go after these things. And we're going to make sure that just because we got more money, we're not under a poverty spirit. Because some of us in this room, we are. You make, a, you make good money, but you sure don't think like it. And it's going to cost you a good life. Hey everybody, Pastor Sergio here, and we just want to thank you for tuning in to our podcast. Make sure you check us out next week as we continue this series.